Good morning. It's good to see each one this morning. If you were not able to be at the lecture yesterday, you missed a good one. I think the day turned out very well. We had some great lessons. I look forward to working with David Smith and Steve Hall and Leroy Dedman on the program. Uh, for those that were here, you got a glimpse and probably already knew how well these men uh, preach the Word of God and very thankful for them and their desire to do so. I don't know if you have ever studied or done a comparison of the ark compared to the church. Some of you may have heard lessons on this and some of you may not, but it is very interesting how God uses patterns. There are those today, even in the church, that say that God doesn't use patterns. There is no pattern for the New Testament church. Well, as we read through the scriptures, we can find that that is not true. God does use patterns. As a matter of fact, God had given Moses a pattern to build the tabernacle. And he was to follow it in every way. The Hebrews writer says in eight, chapter 8 and verse 5 that Moses was to follow the pattern in all things. That means he could not deviate from what God had told him. We as Christians cannot deviate from what God tells us to do. We have to follow God's word. Also, when Noah was commanded to build the ark, he had to do it according to God's instructions. The question is all, has often been asked throughout the years, would the ark have floated if Noah had not followed God's instructions? Well, we'll never know that. We can speculate, but the fact is, is we know that Noah followed God. So we don't have to worry about that. He set the example for us. And when we look at the ark, we can see in all that God designed the ark for, we can make analogies to the church. We can compare the ark and the church. And to me, it's a very interesting study because it tells us many things. We can look at the fact that uh, as Noah obeyed God, that he did it according to the fact that God commanded him to, but he wanted to out from his heart. You know, as we find that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, why? Because Noah was obedient. Noah wanted to be uh, obedient to God in his word. And therefore, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to uh, the book of Genesis. There are several things we're going to look at in, uh, in this chapter that relates to our lesson this morning. And for those who are in the religious world who believe that there are different churches and they're okay with God, we'll see that that's not the case. There are those who say, well, yes, there's only one church, but all of these denominations are branches of that church. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that either. So as we go along, notice some of the words. I'll point them out, and you can understand uh, these words and what they mean and how they relate to our lesson. The first thing I want to look at is the fact that there was only one ark. Noah did not have to build more than one ark. He was not commanded to build more than one ark. If we look at chapter 6 and we see verse 14, we see that God commanded Noah to build an ark. Notice, make thee an ark. How many? One. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Now, and he goes on to give the instructions. 
He did not tell Noah to build more than one ark. He told him to build an ark, and we know that that's singular. So therefore, when we look at the church, we can see that Christ built one church. In Matthew 16, 18, he says, I will build my church. But when you go throughout the New Testament, you will find that the church oftentimes refer to the church. Not a church or some church, but the church. So there was one ark, there's one church. And in Colossians 1.18, we see that Christ is the head of the body, the church. Once again, that word, the. Ephesians 4.4 tells us there is one body. And that one body is used also in 1 Corinthians 12.13. So we see that there is one body. And I've often believed that if a person is truly of a, a mind to learn the word of God and understand about the church, you could point out a couple of verses and that person could understand that there's only one church in less than a minute or two. It's not hard. When these verses come up talking about one body, you know, Christ is ahead of the body, the church. You're talking about the church. Well, how many bodies? One body. Well, what's the body? Christ, the church. It's not hard to understand that. But people in the world today are, have not been taught that. They've been taught that all the different religions are okay. And it's okay to do that. Well, what if Noah had gone away from God's instructions and started building two arcs? Would that have complicated things? Would that have been going against God's will? Absolutely. Because he was just commanded to build one. Well, we know and we're not told that anybody else started an ark at that time. But we do know that all were destroyed except for Noah and his family. So we see that there is one church. There's one ark. And as we go through this, we'll see the purpose of the ark. We'll see the purpose of the church. So therefore, one ark, one church. It is told to us more than one time in the New Testament about there's one church. Now, when God gave Noah instructions to build the ark, he says, beginning in verse 14 again, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion, the way, the form, the pattern, which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make. So within this, we see the dimensions of the ark, and oftentimes, I think it's just a, a thing I point out from time to time. When we look at in the Bible and we see different pictures of the ark, we always see a picture of a, a big boat with a V-hull. You know, the, the V-hull is to cut through the water, you know. Well, the ark wasn't going anywhere. The ark was just going to float. So notice the dimensions. It was a rectangular shape. It did not have a V-hull on it, so... I always thought that was interesting because you look in the Bible and there's a picture of V-boat, you know, V-hull on the boat, you know, big boat. That's not the way the ark looked. The ark was like a shoebox if you get to a little bit closer to the way it really looked. But not only did he give the lengths of it or the dimensions and, and all, but he says in verse 16 that there was a window and a door. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Why would God command Noah just to build one window? Now, look at the length of the, the ark. The uh, length was 300 cubits. Now, 
I don't know when the last time you went to the Lookouts game or to a Braves game, but from home plate down to the right field or left field is over 300 feet. Now, a cubit is roughly a foot and a half. So therefore, the ark was about 450 feet long. So it was bigger than the, the baseball fields. And just one window. Why just one window? I think God uses patterns to help us to understand things. I think God knew that it was going to represent the church. Just like there were things in the tabernacle that would represent things in the church. When the scriptures talk about antitypes, shadows, and the things to come, they all led up to the church. And I think God had that in mind when he gave the instructions for the ark to be built. But when we look at the window, that one window was to supply all of the light, a singular light. Well, on the surface, that doesn't seem like much, one light. But it was enough light to provide exactly what God wanted in that ark, to take care of everything. You know, it wasn't just an overnight trip in, you know, in the ark. They were going to be in there a little while. But what about the one light of the church? What is the one light of the church? That is the gospel. That is the fact that Christ is the light. He's the gospel. When we look at the light, Acts 26, 23, talks about that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Jesus is that guiding light. He was that light and is that light that the world needs. That one window supplied the light that Noah and his family and all the animals in there needed. Is it any coincidence that there was one light in the ark and only one light for man today? No other people, no other religion surpasses the gospel and Christ. We see that John in John and you can go to John the 8th chapter and it, there's a lot of verses where Jesus says, I am. Notice what he says in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Now, Noah's world consi consisted of the inside of that ark once they went in. That was the only light that they received. It was the only light that was going to help sustain life in that ark. Christ is the only light that will help us sustain spiritual life. Jesus is the light of the world. Notice also what Jesus said. He said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Now, he's not talking about the physical dark. As we look at this comparison, some things on the ark are going to be physical, but yet we look in the church and we look at it as spiritual. Jesus is a spiritual light for man today. That physical light was for Noah and his family at that time. One window... 450 feet long, could God have put more than one window in that ark? Absolutely. You know, we, in our world today, we have designs, and, and a lot of people like, you know, a glass house, a lot of, because you can do it. There's nothing stopping people from doing something like that. Was, there was nothing to stop God from putting more than one window in there, but God knew exactly what he wanted, knew exactly what Noah and his uh, family needed, and he also knew the comparison between the ark and the church. Another thing we see there in uh, verse 16 is the fact that there was a door. Now, Jesus says, I am the door. And he's the light. He's the door. 
People try to base salvation upon their opinion rather than what the scriptures teach. Now, when we look at Jesus as a door, if you can imagine the church being a circle and having one door, it's like the ark had one door. Why? Because that was all that was needed. But Noah had to go into the ark to be saved. Well, man has to be in the church. We see the one door, and that is Christ. But when Christ said, I am the door, he went on to say, but by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Now, a lot of people think that that's just mainly saying, well, I believe Christ. I'm going to take Christ as my personal Savior. Well, I'm glad they think far enough to think about something like that, but that is not what saves a person. There are other things that have to be done. We're not saved by just confessing Christ alone. We're not saved by just believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the only door for our salvation. But we see one door, and notice again, the door, an ark, a window, singular. We have that in the church. Christ is the door. He is the light. The church is the only church. So when Jesus says that he's the door, he is saying that there's no other way to enter in to the church or the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting what he said in, in John 10, 1 about the person that doesn't follow the instructions, that doesn't do it right. And a lot of people say, well, who are you to say whether a person's doing right or not? Well, God has already said, I'm not making anything up. I'm not trying to twist the scriptures to, say, to make them say something that they don't. But notice, once again, John 10 in verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, Paul made a statement about the Jews trying to make their own way of righteousness. They were rejecting Christ and going about establishing their own way of righteousness. And Jesus says basically the same thing here about a person who does not follow God's instructions. How was Noah going to get into the ark? Could he have climbed in through the window? I guess he could have, but that wouldn't have been the way. God created the door. The window was for the light. It wasn't for Noah to climb through it. But we see here that Jesus talks about a person that does not follow God's instructions, does not come in the right way. He says he's a robber and a thief. A lot of people say, well, that's pretty negative. You know, you're judging people when you say that they've got to do it a certain way, that what they're doing is wrong. Well, God has told us that we need to help people understand the truth. And it's not our word that we're trying to teach, but God's word. So we have one ark, which represents the one church. We have one door, which represents Christ, and the light, which represents the Christ and enlightening uh, the gospel. So, so far we have an analogy, a comparison of three things that are leading us to help us understand better really what the church is. Now, this is an interesting one. Uh, because, once again, the mindset of the religious world is that just as long as you believe in God, you're a member of God's family. But we know that one family went into the ark. If we look at cha uh, chapter 6 and verse 18 of Genesis, uh, where Noah, his wife, and their sons and their wives went into the ark. 
Now, that was one family. That was the family of Noah. We understand in the patriarchal age that the father was the head of the family. Although he may have grown children, he was still the head of the family. But yet, the Bible talks of the family of God. And many people feel that as long as they're religious, believe in God, uh, believe in Christ, and sometimes not even a matter of fact of believing in Christ, as long as they believe in God, they're a child of God, they're a member of God's family. What that really says is they have determined the conditions for entrance, not God. Because God's word says something else. So therefore, they have determined their own righteousness. And I'm sure that you have heard the statement, we're all trying to get to heaven, we're just following different paths. Well, there's only one path to follow, and that is Christ. Uh, I was out knocking doors one time and had a man tell me that exact same thing. Well, we're all going and trying to get to heaven. We're just taking different paths. Well, there are a lot of paths you can take. You know, if you want to go to Los Angeles, California, there are a lot of paths you can take from here to go, but will every one of them get you there? You know, and, and nowadays people have GPSs, and, you know, you can... You can end up lost using one of those things. <laughs> I mean, it's happened. You, know? you want to go west and you end up going east. Find yourself over on the east coast somewhere. But just because you start out on a path does not mean that that is the right path. But we see that there's one family. In Ephesians, the third chapter, it talks about the family of God. So there is a family of God. Is everybody a member of that family? No. What about those who deny God totally, atheists? Uh, what about those who deny Christ as a son of God? According to some people, they would still be a child of God. Now, a lot of people think that we're children of God just because God created man. Now, I mean, if you want to look at it in that sense that, yeah, we're God's creations, but we're not his spiritual family if we have not followed God's word. Would Noah's sons been saved if they have not followed the preaching of their father? Because remember, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I'm sure that he spoke to his sons quite often, especially in the building of the ark. Uh, so therefore, they followed what was preached. And Noah, being a preacher of righteousness, had a tremendous effect on them, uh, the way they lived their lives. So we have one family in the ark. We have one family in the church. Another thing we see and alluded to earlier just a couple of moments ago about the saved being on the inside. Why did God create the ark? Well, it was the means by which mankind would be saved from the upcoming destruction of the world. Because God tells him over and over that he is going to destroy the world. That's why he had him build the ark. God has always warned us, God has always told us What's going to happen in the sense of our eternal state? If we don't do right and follow God's law, we're going to suffer eternally. If we do right, follow God's pattern, follow God's word, we're going to have spiritual life, eternal life. God has always made man aware of that. Now, we understand that the gospel was not always revealed in the way that it has been. We read that in Ephesians, the third chapter. But yet... God has never left man in the dark about obedience or about eternal salvation. Those in the olden days may not have known it as we do today, but yet we see the fact that there were instructions given 
to Adam and Eve, many things, given to Cain and Abel. God gave the information. He gave the ruling. And there were to follow, no matter which age a person lived in and lives in today, in this Christian age, we're commanded to follow God's word. So therefore, if Noah had not followed God's instructions about going into the ark when it started raining, when the water started coming from the skies and from the ground, he would not have been saved. But yet, by following God's instructions, along with his uh, wife and his sons and their, their wives, they went into the ark. That was where safety was. Turn over to 1 Peter. And of course, oftentimes we, we go to 1 Peter 3.21 talking about baptism and salvation, and which is rightly so. But uh, And of course, a lot of people that do not believe in salvation will try to take these verses and make them mean something that they don't. But in 1 Peter 3.20, 3, uh, 1 Peter 3.20, we see the fact that Peter is alluding to Noah and what happened at that time. Now he goes back and he's talking about uh, beginning in verse 19, talking about Noah pre uh, Christ preaching. He says, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. And what that means is that Jesus did not go into the prisons and preach what he did. And that word prison there does not mean the normal prison that we see, you know, state penitentiary. In other words, it's punishment. It's that uh, Hadean realm of torment. Because what he means there is Christ, through Noah, preached to the people at that time. The people heard that and were disobedient. They perished in the flood. And now they're in the Hadean realm in torments. And that's what he means by that. Now, verse 20, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, when people object to baptism, they come up with all kinds of accusations. Oh, you teach water salvation. You're saying that salvation is in the physical water itself. When we're told to be baptized for the remission of our sins, the physical water is exactly that. It's physical water. It's not holy water, as some people might think. But yet, what saves? It's the obedience to the command and understanding that command. What saved Noah and his family? The water or the obedience to the command to go into the ark. But we see here that Peter says that eight souls were saved by water. And then he goes on to say the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. And people will try to say, well, see, it's just a figure. It doesn't mean you have to do it. It's just a representation. Well, it, I don't find that in the scriptures anywhere, especially when you connect it with the command to be baptized. But we see here the fact that safety is on the inside. The safety was on the inside of the ark for Noah and his family and all the animals. Now, when we compare that to the church, where is safety? It's in the church. Where are the saved? They're in the church. Acts 2.47. What did God do? He added to the church daily such as those that should be saved. That is where the saved are. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody that's in there is going to be saved because once you become a member of the body of Christ, you can turn your back on God. You can do those things that would lead you to suffer eternally. But we see that the saved are in the church. And being 
the only institution that God created for the salvation of man while we're on this earth. It was the same way with the ark. The ark was the only thing that he created or had Noah build or create that would save humanity. Nothing else was going to save humanity. That was not the design. That was not the plan. Yes, there have been those in past and maybe still today who argue that the flood was not universal. Well, that's another subject for another time, but yet if it was not going to be universal, then Noah and his family could have escaped and gone to where it wasn't going to be or anything like that. But the safety was in the ark, and Peter makes that very clear. He said they were saved by water. Where were they? They were in the ark. Today, we're saved by water, not water alone. But where are we once we obey the gospel and are baptized? We're added to the church. So where are the saved? They're in the church. If a person is not in the church, they are not saved. It gets back once again to man creating his own way of righteousness. Rather than looking at what God has said, we find that man tries to come up with his own ways of righteousness rather than following God's word. Noah and his family were saved by water because they were humble and obedient to God's word and therefore by going into that ark and God shut that door behind them, they were to remain there for safety. Also, if you're familiar with the parable of the ten virgins, in that, in that uh, parable, Matthew chapter 25, it's interesting how that we know that five were wise, uh, five virgins were wise and five were not. And while the unwise virgins had to go and get oil for their lamps, the five that were prepared went in to the wedding with the bridegroom and the door was shut. As it says in Matthew 25 and verse 4. Therefore, anybody on the outside... That's exactly where they were. They were on the outside. They couldn't get in because the door was shut. I wonder how many people started running for the ark when it... Now, back then, you know, people weren't familiar with the rain, but it wasn't just rain coming from heaven. If you read the text, you'll see how that the water came from the ground, so the ground was being broken open too. You know, a major event. I wonder how many people started running for that ark. Yeah. Could you imagine some of them just being in close vicinity of the ark and something happening and, you know, they see Noah and his family going into the ark and then they try to follow along because after all, Noah had been preaching. And don't you know how word of mouth spreads different things? So you know that, that people probably had some strange views of Noah. Here's a man talking about there's going to be a big flood. Not, that man's crazy, <laughs> you know. But if they happened to have been close to that ark, I guarantee you some probably started running for it. Too late. The unwise virgins wanted to get in to the wedding. They couldn't. The door was shut. There are going to be those at Judgment Day that are going to realize that they did not take advantage of the door when it was opened. Unfortunately, that's the case. But we see also... Not only are the saved in the church, but we see the fact, the comparison of that God took care of all Noah's needs and his family. Everything they needed to last for that time in the ark, God provided everything for them. 
What about us in the church? Well, in the church, God supplies all our needs, right? You know, God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Also in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has given us everything we need to have that eternal home in heaven. The lost were outside the ark. This day and time, the lost are outside the church. It is a sad situation. How many times have you tried to teach someone, you have spoken with them, and you've gone back, and I'm not just talking about a stranger on the street, but somebody you know, maybe a family member or friend, and you have continually tried to get them to understand that they need to obey the gospel, but yet they keep rejecting it. They have different ideas, or they, they may be a member of a particular uh, religious group, and you continue to talk with them, but yet there's no response. There's no desire to really understand the truth. They are lost. They are not in the church. They are outside the church. They're outside the body of Christ. How do we know that? Because we know that the church is the body of Christ, and when a person obeys the gospel, they're added to the church. We're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death. So therefore, we are members of the body of Christ. We are in the family. We are in the body. We are in the church. Unfortunately, there are many who will be like those in the days of Noah, that when that things start happening, they're going to wish they were in the ark, in the church. But, you know, when people hear the truth, as we talked about in class this morning, talking about Romans 1.16, you know, the gospel is power of God unto salvation, that means that God can save us, but we can only be saved if we follow God, if we obey his commands. What, had ha what would have happened if Noah had not followed God's commands? What would have happened to Moses if he had not built the tabernacle as God commanded him to do? What if Christ had decided not to go to that cross? We know that it wouldn't have been good. We don't know exactly what would have happened. We, we, we know that it would not have been good. But we have the fact that Christ did go to that cross. He did die for our sins. He did establish a church. And man has the opportunity to be a member of that church. I don't think that's negative. If you tell a person they're lost and they need to be saved, I don't take that as being negative. It's like if you know somebody's sick or whatever, you say, here, take this medicine. It'll make you better. Do they view that as something negative? Probably not. But when it comes to salvation, which is a much more serious and important issue, it's different. The question this morning you need to ask yourself, have you done the things necessary to put you in to the church, the body of Christ? By hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized for the mission of your sins, if you have done that, then you've done what God has commanded. And he, you have been added to the church. But if you have not done those things, then you still are on the outside of the church. You're still outside the closed door. The only way to open that door is to follow the commands of God in order to obey the gospel. If you need to respond this morning, pray that you'll come as we stand and sing.